So now, let's hear God's Word, spoken from Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came, came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Once again, I remind you that this is God's holy and inspired word. It contains all that we need for faith and for life. The grass, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Let's pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which contains everything absolutely everything to know You. And it is inspired, holy truth. And we ask that You would speak to us in the pages of Scripture. Bless it as I preach Your Word upon my lips. I pray that I will preach confidently and boldly and these, that the congregation would be pliable, malleable, and, receive, and receptible to Your holy word. We ask this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. <clears throat> I want to begin by asking... The question, why the miracles? Why did Jesus perform miracles? Was it just to impress His audience? Or was there a specific purpose for doing these miracles? The Gospel of John gives us some help at this point. In John 2, after Jesus had turned water into wine in Cana, we read what John said in chapter 2, verse 11. This was the first sign Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and it manifested His glory, and His disciples believed in Him. This tells us two important reasons why He did these signs. One, to manifest His glory. To manifest His glory. When Jesus performed these miracles, He was revealing His divine glory. This is really quite profound. For God says in Isaiah 42, verse 8, I am the Lord, and that I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give glory to any other. I will not give glory to any other. But here... John says that Jesus received glory. 
Either this is a contradiction between the Old and New Testaments, or else Jesus is truly divine. Jesus was an extraordinary and gifted teacher, an extraordinary man, but more than a man. He was divine. And His miracles confirmed this. So when we read these miracles, we must remember that these are signs pointing to something about Christ. And as disciples of Christ, we wish to know of His glorious character and person. The second reason is to produce belief in His disciples. To produce belief in His disciples. Jesus makes some extraordinary claims. The miracles affirm His teaching. Signs do more than just signify, they also seal and confirm. Jesus claims He is divine by the miracles He confirms this by doing what only God could do. But there is also something else to notice. John doesn't say, and many pagans believed. He says his disciples believed. People were already following him. Now, obviously, they must have already believed in him, or they would have left... They would not have left all to follow Him. Peter and James and Andrew, uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, immediately left their nets and followed Him. Surely, surely they believe in, believe in Him, but this says something I think is very important. Though they are His followers and have uh, some level of belief, we don't know uh, at this point what they believe and disbelief, yet there are levels of unbelief that still remain. The same is true of you and me. We believe in Christ enough to follow Him and obey Him, yet even the most faithful saint that has ever lived, still areas, still he has areas of unbelief that need to be identified and crushed. Yes, the signs were and are means by which people, by which to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ, but we need to examine these, these signs and to pay attention to them so that we will believe and dispel the unbelief that remains in our hearts. These miracles are for us, given to us by the words of Holy Scripture to strengthen our faith. Let us then approach them with expectation. With those details being said, let us proceed to look at the doctrine of the text. Jesus, by healing the leper, reveals himself as merciful, able, and divine. Jesus, by healing the leper, reveals himself as merciful, able, and and divine. In this passage, there are three things that are signified for which we must pay attention. First, the leper's faith. Second, the character of Jesus. And third, Jesus's restrictions. I'll repeat that. The leper's faith, 
the character of Jesus, and three, Jesus' restrictions. First, the leper's faith. Simon Kistemacher described leprosy well. In ancient times, leprosy was the worst sickness of all physical diseases. As the most fearful of all illnesses, it could be called a living death. Gradually and slowly, one's physical body degenerated. The face and extremities of the body were severely affected, decomposed, and fell away. Eventually, hands were without fingers, feet without toes, and heads with deformed eyebrows, eyelids, noses, lips, and ears. Nerve endings no longer registered pain, so a patient was not fully aware of the body's gradual destruction. In advanced cases, gangrene caused parts of the body to become misshapen and die. As a result, an unpleasant odor surrounded the unfortunate individual. As a rule, anyone with leprosy was banned from society and forced to live in a colony of lepers. End quote. In modern medicine, doctors have made many advancements. However, we still have lepers in society, particularly in hotter climates. It can be treated with antibiotics, but the affected parts cannot be restored. However, Jesus can heal and restore this leper, and he would have to. Because Luke 5.12 says this leper was one full of leprosy. Yet this leper acted in faith. Verse 1 and 2 says, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Imagine, if you will, that you are this leper that came to Jesus. You have a lot of conflicting thoughts about going to Jesus. First, although you knew, excuse me, you are a Jew, you feel estranged from God's people. You have been unclean for many years. You know in accordance with the Word of God spoken in Leviticus 13 that you have been wearing tattered clothes for many years. You have been wearing your hair loose for many years. And worst of all, you are required to cover your upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. You have lived outside of the camp for many years. You would have to defy the Word of God if you went into this crowd. You have mixed feelings if you can even brave the crowd of Jesus. You are so estranged from God's people that the synoptic Gospels where this account is recorded doesn't even, so, don't even know your name. You have been completely humili- humiliated. Why go to Jesus if you risk being humiliated further? Second, you feel estranged from humanity. Leprosy had a completely dehumanizing effect on you. 
you don't even feel like you are a human. You feel completely alone. You must dwell outside of the camp with other lepers. Another human has not touched you for many years. For in the ancient world, and indeed the Old Testament, prevented lepers from touching another person. Because the Old Testament believed that... that, um, that it was transmitted by touch. The touching of a dead, dead animal or a corpse left people unclean. Also the touch of a leper transmitted uncleanness. So you can't touch any, anyone or else you will make the crowds unclean. But if anyone can heal you, Jesus can heal you if he is but willing Lastly, you also feel estranged from God. You cannot go into the temple where the, the, the Lord God dwells. You cannot go in the temple without defiling it. You know the law that it says, Thus you shall keep the people of Israel separated from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in your midst. Having leprosy was not necessarily a sin, but this was a vivid demonstration of sin that separated you from God. Vern Poitras speaks of this. The person who has leprosy was unclean and was disqualified from approaching the presence of God in the tabernacle or temple. He had to live away from other people Uncleanness was not in itself a sin, but it was a symbol for sin, as we see from the way it represented a barrier to approaching the symbolic presence of God in the temple. Yet you throw caution to the wind. You run to meet Jesus. You don't say unclean, unclean as you approach the crowd. Anyone can see that you are a leper by your tattered clothes and, and you're wearing, a, 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 wearing long hair as an indicator that you are a leper. And you throw yourself at Jesus' feet saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You express belief in the character of Jesus that you, the leper, in fact, will find healing. The second heading is the character of Jesus. With these words spoken from the leper, it reveals the character of Jesus or the attributes of Jesus. The scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees miss out completely. But this leper gets it. First, the leper believes that Jesus is merciful. Mark one forty one says that Jesus was moved with pity, moved with compassion. He could have said, away unclean, or you will make me unclean. That's what Jesus could have said, but he does not. He was moved with compassion for this lost sheep of Israel. Further, Jesus revealed his compassion by touching the leper, touching him. Verse 3 says, And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. 
the unnamed leper, as I said before, had probably not been touched for many years. For fear that leprosy was transferred by mere touch. The people would not have dared would not have dared touch him for fear to touch him would make them unclean and disqualify them from entering the sanctuary. But Jesus touches him. Can you imagine what that touch felt like? All three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, record that Jesus reached out and touched him. That must have been intentional. For all three Gospels confirm it. Jesus wanted everyone to see that he was not in the slightest bit concerned about whether he would be considered unclean by touching this leper. John Calvin wrote in this, on this, quote, Under the law, the touch of a leper was infectious. But as Christ possesses such purity as to repel all filth and defilement, he does not by touching, either pollute himself with leprosy or become a transgressor of the law. Second, the leper believes that Jesus is able. Jesus is able. In other words, by the leper's words, Lord, if you will, you can cleanse me. You can make me clean. He acknowledges that Jesus is able. The term will is also appropriate appropriately rendered desire. If you desire it, you can turn unclean to clean if you but desire it. This indicates that the leper believes him to be omnipotent or all-powerful. If you desire or will it, you have the power to make me clean. He says these precise words, You are powerful enough to make me clean. Jesus confirms the confession of the leper by doing just that. Who is omnipotent but God alone? Who is powerful enough to to turn an unclean man clean? God alone. The leper confesses That Jesus is omnipotent. However, Jesus must confirm that word. And he does this by doing what only God can do. And saying, what you, O leper, O leper said, I will confirm it by granting what you have asked for. Verse 3. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Mark 1:42 says immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. All three gospels write the same thing. Is this not amazing that the leprosy left him immediately? That that means that that the skin which once was white would have been perfectly restored. He realized that his eyebrows had grown back immediately. His fingers and toes were restored. His nose, which had formerly been disfigured, 
was perfectly figured on His body now. The leprosy left Him immediately. Furthermore, by restoring this man to perfect health, Jesus had given him renewed access to society, the synagogue, and the temple. Who but God can do this miracle? No one except Jesus. Jesus proved that He is divine by performing this miracle. Which leads me to my third heading under this point. Jesus is divine. Jesus is divine. We read, we read that the leper was convinced that he was divine. And behold, verse 2, And behold, a leper came to him and knelt down before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. The evidence that the leper believed that he was divine is threefold. First, the leper humbled himself before Jesus. Luke 5.2 says that he fell on his face and proceeded to beg. This leper is so unworthy that he falls on his face and pleads with Jesus. He sees himself as so unworthy in the face of a divine being. Second, the leper calls Jesus Lord. If you are not convinced by that, Jesus is called Lord by the leper. The leper called him Kurios, not Adonai, Master, but Kurios. This is the covenantal name that is spoken in the Greek, uh, the Greek Old Testament to describe Yahweh. He speaks this way to Jesus. Furthermore, the leper worshipped him. The ESV says that he knelt down before him, but I think the King James translation is more consistent with the Greek here when it says he worshipped him. He worshipped Jesus. The Greek word proskoneo is most often used in the New Testament in reference to the worship of God. Luke's Gospel explains this a bit further when it records that he fell on his face and besought him. This is the posture of homage, of humble worship at the feet of God. And this is why such a posture is taken, if a posture is, such a posture is taken toward man or an angel, the angel always tells the person to get up, to not worship him. Jesus confirms this leper's conclusion by not encouraging encouraging him to get up. Jesus confirms that such homage, such worship is appropriate for him because he is in fact divine. The third and final heading is Jesus' restriction. Jesus has confirmed the, the, the leper's trust, but he now gives him a couple of directions or restrictions. He says to the former leper, see that you say nothing to anyone but go. 
Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Why does Jesus give these instructions? There are at least a couple of options. The first option is Jesus could no longer speak openly. Mark 145 gives more insight into this. But, but he, that is the former leper, went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. The former leper spread this openly and Jesus paid the price. He could no longer speak into a town openly. You can imagine the, the excitement that surrounded the healed leper and the crowds. However, the, the excitement that surrounded these events left Jesus to go to a desert place because he could no longer speak openly to the crowds. The second option is the leper would no longer be estranged from God. Jesus meant for him no longer to be estranged from God. In the act of healing from leprosy, he also resolved the greater problem of sin that estranged the leper from having fellowship with God. The priority in uttering these words of restriction was to restore him to the priest so that the priest could pronounce him clean. This was in order that he could be restored to the temple where God dwelt in his sanctuary and to offer the sacrifice Moses prescribed. The Lord Jesus did not want him to be estranged from God anymore. This leads to our applications. In the applications, I would like to answer, I would like you to answer this question in four particular ways. Do you have the faith of this leper? Do you have the faith of this leper? First, that Jesus is merciful. Jesus is full of mercy, pity, and compassion. The touch of Jesus communicated that. Jesus is full of compassion and mercy. And He is the image of the invisible God. He presents the Father's love. As Joseph uh, Addison just sang in the the hymn which uh, preceded this sermon, When all your mercies, O my God, my rising soul surveys, transported with the view... I'm lost in wonder, love, and praise. Unnumbered comforts to my soul. Your tender care bestowed before my infant heart conceived from whom those comforts flowed. Was this not the experience of the leper? Considering the compassion and, and the mercy of Jesus, I'm lost in wonder, love, and praise. And yet, does this thought compel you? Does this thought compel your belief? If you believe in true faith that Jesus is merciful, you will offer that mercy to others. This offers an incentive of giving mercy, the mercy of Jesus to others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Christ's mercy and compassion is demonstrated in the mercy and compassion of the body of Christ. I think we can state this as a principle. You can tell how much God has been merciful to you by your mercy shown to other people. You can tell how much God has been merciful to you by your mercy shown to other people. I think that should rebuke us just a little bit. If you don't believe that Jesus has shown us mercy and compassion, you won't show other people that same mercy. Like Matthew 18.32 says in the parable of the unforgiving servant, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have shown, excuse me, and should not you have shown mercy on your fellow servants. We as God's people are servants of the Lord. Should we not be merciful to our fellow servants, especially in the household of faith? The second application is, do you believe that Jesus is divine? Do you believe that Jesus is divine, the God of the universe, one of the triune persons? This recognition of the divine nature always results in the same way, in a posture of self-abasing humility. Before Jesus, the true believer comes bowed low in humility with a sense of unworthiness as expressed in the posture of this leper. When John the Baptist spoke of the coming Messiah, he said, so much greater is he than myself that I am not worthy to bow down and, and, and stoop down and tie his sandal. And when his disciples, John's disciples, were alarmed that Jesus was taking John's disciples, John said, he must increase and I must decrease. Thomas demanded to see Jesus in the flesh so that he could stick his hands in his side. He claimed that he would never believe in him otherwise. His arrogance and stubbornness are perceptible in the written page. But when Jesus appeared to him, he fell on his face and said, My Lord and my God. True faith is marked by the persuasion of the divinity of Jesus that result in profound humility and the sense of unworthiness before Him. In the the present, there is a lot of talk about self-esteem. What people need is a higher view of themselves. If people just thought more of themselves, then they would uh, solve many of life's problems. But this is not a biblical view. The Bible would have you resemble more and more the faith of John the Baptist. I am unworthy to loose uh, my Lord's sandals. 
He must increase and I must decrease. The biblical view is I must think more about Christ and less of myself. You and I don't need a higher view of ourselves that is consistent with a natural person. But the spiritual person says that we need a higher view of Christ. Our third and final application application is that Jesus is able to heal you of all your sins. Jesus is able to heal you from all your sins. Jesus is able to cure you from all your afflictions. The greatest of our afflictions, which is sin. Leprosy was a representation of a vile sin. It was a symbol for sin. It was a symbol of corruption and death that we incurred from the fall of Adam. Sin keeps you estranged from the rest of humanity, from God's people, and from God Himself. No matter what sin you have committed, Jesus can heal you from that sin. As Fanny Crosby says in her hymn, To God Be the Glory, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, forgiveness receives. The vilest offender. That always shocks me when we sing that hymn. I admit that I'm taken aback but I should not be. I should remember Romans 3, 23 and 25. There is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. Or 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord and forget not all His benefits, who, who forgives you of all your transgressions. All your transgressions. But the vilest offenders? Yes. Even a murderer, even a thief, even an adulterer. The vilest of sins. Yes, even those who truly believe Christ cleanses from all our sins. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.9, which is often communicated to this congregation, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. The vilest of sins. However, and he says, and such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Such are some of you. There is no sin 
too vile that Jesus cannot save them. There is no sin too great that the Lord Jesus cannot save them. There is no sin so disgusting, so gross, so despicable, so dirty that Jesus cannot save them from that sin or any other. Jesus can save to the uttermost for those who believe in His name. Praise be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for giving us this miracle of Jesus who cleansed a leper who utterly and immediately took his, rep- his leprosy away and cleansed him to come into the sanctuary. That represents sin. That is a representation of sin. The vilest of sin. And Jesus cleansed the leper from all of his sin. And thank You, Lord, that You are not restricted to respectable sins. You are not restricted from cleansing the vilest of sins. But You can heal all sins by Your Lord Jesus Christ. In whom we pray. Amen.